0: Thank you. podcast land. This is your host of Psych and Sales. And by the way, there may be some copyright infringements with our soon to be uh, announced guest uh, because we have Richard Harris on the line. Uh, And uh, Richard is one of the co-founders of Surf and Sales. Uh, He's also um, runs Richard Harris Consulting and is a part of Sales Hacker. So Richard, uh,
1: thanks for joining us.
0: Yeah, thanks for well,
1: excited to be here. Like this is I remember when we first met and you brought this up, I was like, Oh, I wanna do that. So I'm I'm super pumped for this.
0: Absolutely, man. So Talk to us a little bit about, you know, Surf and Sales, sales Hacker, your consulting business. Like, help, let, let's get the audience getting to know who Richard is.
1: We'll do that, but let's also make sure I don't bore them and put them to sleep. So you guys interrupt whenever you need, right? Surf and Sales started when Scott, Lisa and I were um, actually on vacation a couple of Thanksgiving's ago in Costa Rica with our families. Um, you know, we're super lucky that we get along, our wives get along and our four boys all get along really, really well. Um, and so we were down there and Scott turned to me one day. We were walking back from the beach and he he turned and looked at me and he goes, hey, how come nobody ever does a conference down here? Right. Why, why do we got to go to San Francisco with one hundred thousand other people? What if we could get like 20 people to come down here and do something? And I just kind of looked at him because he's always the idea guy. I'm like, well, yeah, do it. And he looked at me like, what? And I'm like, well, here's the numbers like, you know, let's figure it out. And, uh, and so he did and came back and tested the theory and and we had our first one and, you know, we're up to surf and sales five, but that was delayed, uh, because COVID. Um, so that's really the Genesis and, and what it is, is it's not some bro thing. It's not a, it's not a drunken fest. It's, um, you go down, you spend about three or four hours on the water every day with surf lessons included. Um, and we spend about a half a day doing surf lessons and take a break, have lunch, and then we do another half day of content, right? And so, and the content comes from whoever's in attendance. So if someone comes down and they've got a specialty, we let them lead a, a 45 minute session. And then we, you know, we go and do stuff at night for dinner and that's kind of it. So by like five o'clock, four o'clock, we're kind of done because we know your brain can't go to that stuff all day long, right? There's usually an afternoon surf session. Um, so that anyway, so that that's the gist of it. And we built these great micro communities of, 15 to 20 people who go and now we're all there's about a hundred of us who've all gone to this and we still have a, a small little LinkedIn group. We stay connected, we're still chatting on WhatsApp with each other, sharing ideas. So it's fun. It's re, it's really fun. So that that's the surf and sales side. Um my business side, Harris Consulting Group is uh, teaching reps how to earn the right to ask questions, which questions to ask and when to do it. And doing that with SDRs, AEs and customer success. And I build a lot of psychology, like why do tactics work versus here's the tactic, just shut up and do it. Like, that's not my style. So we get into, you know, literally transactional analysis, how humans make decisions, what ego states do they go through, whether or not they're going to eat a donut or whether or not they're going to spend a hundred grand on software process is the same as a human being. So anyway, so that's, that's the business side of it. Sales hacker, a great community. If you're always looking for advice in those places, please go check out saleshacker.com. Tons of free advice. A lot of smart people, a lot of people uh, smarter than me as well. So I'll stop now because that was long.
0: That's awesome, man. Um, By the way, did you ever teach Career Builder, earn the right? Were they a client? No. No? So Career Builder, when I was trained there, used to talk all the time about kind of this concept of earning the right and making sure that you really you you were super knowledgeable about what you were about to say to the person you were about to say it. And then you also asked lots and lots of questions. So by the time you present a solution, you'd earn the right to ask for whatever you asked for or or, you know, move forward on the deal. Uh, so this this whole, this whole idea and what did you call it? Um, what type of psychology? Oh, transactional
1: analysis. Transactional um, analysis. Yeah, go yeah. Ahead. It's, it's been around. There's a guy named uh, Dr. Eric Byrne. Um, I think it was created in the late '50s or '60s, and and follows you know the Freudian the id the ego and the superego, but it's a whole lot easier to understand. <laughs> um, so it's, it's interesting. Cause I talk to people about it and they're like, Oh my God, I've never heard of that. And then when I teach it, they're like, yep, that's, that's what happens. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's the definite, the that's where it comes from.
0: Cool, man. Do uh, you mind breaking down like some of the components of it for the audience or is yeah, that yeah. they have to take
1: your, oh, it's super easy. No, 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 okay. it's super easy. Um, so we have three ego states and we have a child ego state we have an adult ego state and we have a parent ego state. The child ego state is where buying starts. The child says, I want it. I want, you know, you've got kids, right? You know exactly what I'm You know, I can people are listening, but I see the smiles, right?
0: Yeah, I got one, Well, two, there's me and my son. Right. I'm thinking about my husband right now. Yeah, I, right, yeah. yes. I want a boat, a so, new house, where, what are we doing? Right. Let's go buy it right now. So,
1: so that's, that's what starts the journey. Right, that's where you know the passion is, and the the child ego state is where your emotions are held. Right, mm-hmm. so when you lose a deal as a salesperson and it hurts after putting all that in, that's your child ego. Mm-hmm. Just like if you are going through a breakup, it's kind of your child ego that's getting hurt. Someone's breaking your heart, um, and so that's a part of the process, right? Oh, I really want that donut, you know. Or, oh, my God, I have got to get this piece of software, right? Um, So that's the child. The parent ego state actually has two parts. Um, The parent ego is the one that passes judgment, right? And there's the nurturing parent side of things, right? The one that that coaches you, that leads. If you think about a, a really good leader, sales leader you've ever had, or any type of leader where they nurtured you along the way, Right. Then there's the critical parent and the critical parent is, um, you know, you know, goes back to our parents, literally like mom and dad, we all kind of know what that critical tone sounds like. Um, but the critical, par- the, the parent ego state is trying to help you understand right from wrong appropriate or inappropriate. Right. So that's, you know, so like, so if I get critical cause my kid's about to touch a stove, right? Well, that critical is actually a little bit healthy because I'm trying to teach him how dangerous it is. I'm trying to teach him how to learn to protect himself. And that's where that comes in. Now, the child, the challenge is, is that on the nurturing side, that brings out the natural child. So when you're, you know, if you nurture your child, if you say, wow, you know, even if it's the sixth time they've asked, you know, why do I have to take a shower? If you can just say, you know, maybe we can have a contest. Let's see how fast you can do a shower with soap. Right. You're nurturing the child in a fun way, which brings out their true childlike joy, right? Like that brings out the natural child. If I say, go get in the shower, no, 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 I've asked you six times, no, no, you know, like you're now going to have a rebellious child. So the critical parent can bring out the rebellious child in some cases. Um, I see the best part of this is, you know, for people who are just listening, I'm watching them and they both just turned to look at each other (laughs) and they just gave each other other this big smile of like, oh my God, this is our house. My wife is the
0: critical parent. I'm of course the coaching nurturing one. That identifies everything. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) um,
1: So then that leaves the adult ego state. So the adult ego state is the rational you. That's pros and cons, pluses and minuses, upsides and downsides, right? Right, that's you, right? And the, the rational you, the, the adult ego state is the one that gives you permission to move forward. So the child ego state says, I want it. The parent ego state says, is this right or wrong? Is this appropriate or inappropriate? And the adult ego state pros and cons it and goes, okay, I'm ready to move forward. Even if moving forward means they're moving forward with somebody else in the sales world. So that's the high level overview. And then you can, you know, you can talk to salespeople and go, okay, who's ever run into a critical parent, right? You can think about that in the sales process. And what's really interesting is a lot of times we think we hear the critical parent from our prospects. Most of the time we're hearing a whiny child. (laughs) I'm not going to pay that. I don't want to pay that. That's not in my budget, but we've walked in because we've been conditioned over life with parents or 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 parental figures that as soon as we hear that tone, right? No, you go get in the shower right now. We become submissive and turn into this child and now we're afraid if you flip it and you go, wait a minute, they're the one who's acting childish right? Now you can elevate yourself to hopefully try to be a little bit more rational. Okay. Now that I understand that, how do I have this conversation where I don't react emotionally or in a critical parent way? Right. So anyway, so that's the stuff I teach as then I teach tactics and stuff like that. So I'll, again, I'll pause because it's a very long explanation. I hope it wasn't too boring. No,
2: no, no. It was no. really interesting.
0: Yeah. Not, not boring at all. And I, I was, Part of me was tying things like uh, amygdala and the lizard brain as it relates to a child. All part of that, right? Like the fear factor, right? Yeah. And then like neocortex cortex as it relates to you adult. Know, the adult oh, rationalizing. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: and then when it came to the parent, I was just thinking of my wife the whole time. So um, <laughs> uh, no, but it, 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 it was really good. Any any, any thoughts?
1: David, let, let's be honest. You think about your wife all the time. All the time. Sure. Um, exactly see, see see how i dave i'm just trying to help save you a little bit all right i'm just throwing out i'm throwing out i'm throwing out some life <laughs> preservers
2: um yeah no definitely see the the cortex in particular with the, the adults there um and then some of the the lower brain functions with the the child um i was
1: that's the stuff i don't know like so exactly. it's
2: Great. Right. That's uh, a, it's a much less interesting way of talking about it. I like the, the Freudian uh, approach it, it brings you in. It makes it much more interesting. It's so relatable.
1: So, absolutely. That's the piece is that everybody can relate to it. Yeah. Right. And so that's the buy-in.
0: So folks looking to like operationalize this a little bit, you, you gave a really good example of the, the potentially whiny client. That's more like child. Like I want this toy but I can't have this toy and because, I don't want to
2: pay for it <laughs> because, yeah,
0: because I haven't eaten my freaking vegetables yet or I haven't done my homework yet so coming back and saying, hey I totally understand I want you to get the toy too but here here's what we need to do to get you there and then being like really calm and rational about it um, that's a great example are there other kind of examples you'd use to help people you know grasp the concept and when when
1: how to use it well, so usually we go to role play right after that, right? So we get into what I call real play and role play, right? Real play is, hey, where have you noticed this in the past? Role play is who's got a call tomorrow, right? Um, so that's where I dive in. The other place I do it, though, is I also, you know, it comes back to that, hey, you got to make it there. their own idea, right? And so it's the value of open-ended questions, right? So, you know, the, the biggest value of open-ended questions is that it forces us as sales reps to shut up. Like, that's the most important thing, right? Um, And that then means we can actively listen. So if someone says, you know, well, I, I need the price to be this, I can say, hey, I totally understand that. You know, here's the deal. You know, I don't really set pricing. In fact, nobody does. The market dictates our price. So this is what the market will bear. How would you like to proceed? Because one, there's no answer to that question. (laughs) <laughs> they, can't, they can't come back on that question and say, well, yeah, but this is our budget. There's nobody to argue with at that point. It's like you can't. Right. There's nobody else. Right. There is nobody else. Right. Go argue with the marketplace. Now, as a sales rep, and I say this when I teach it, is that as a sales rep, I get it. You have a quota. You have goals. It's in the month. It's COVID. Lots of layoffs are happening. So there's a lot of external pressure that exists in a salesperson that maybe I don't necessarily have because I run my own business. Right. So I'm absolutely willing to acknowledge that. But as everybody knows, your willingness to get the price you want is only strong enough as your ability to walk away from the deal. If you are unable to walk away, then, you know, you can't, you can use that as a thing. And then, but if they still say, well, sorry, I can't do it. If you're Willing to walk away, then you can walk away. But that's a piece of it. Um, so then, so so that's a piece of sort of trying to use the rational brain to confront their rational brain. If I've done a really good job, and I've done this recently, where someone came back to me and they're like, "Oh, you know, we like this price, but you know what? We need to get it down because that was in the budget." And I, you know, it was like a, maybe a two thousand dollar difference, right? Um, and yes, I could afford to take it. But I kind of said, well, I'm confused. And they said, well, I said, like, there have been three people. I've talked to this many people. And my guess is based on average salaries of six people that, you know, that's $650,000 a year, right? I'm in California, for those listening. Um, I can divide that by 52 weeks by, let's call it 45 hours a week. And I can get them down to an hourly rate. (laughs) You've already
0: already already (laughs) wasted that much time.
1: Right. And I'm like, and I'm like, I'll even go down to the minute and I'll say, Hey, that's great. Even if, even though now you know what you want, you're going to still have to spend half that time going back to talk to somebody else. And, and that's going to cost you this. So there's your fixed cost. The other part is you're now delaying this three to four weeks. And if your deal size is this, and this is your sales cycle and your lifetime value is three years, your decision to wobble this $2,000 is okay. You know, you can. So again, how would you like to proceed? Right. And so there, again, I'm trying to, and so what I'm doing there in my mind is I am confronting any sort of, uh, critical parent, right. I'm also confronting the rebellious child. I'm also trying to be a nurturing parent. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just giving them facts so I can try to engage their, their healthy child, right? Their, their natural child, um, and make them realize that they actually want the training that I offer. And as they go through this, you can kind of think, Oh, wow, they do go from this to the child ego state back to the adult ego state, right? Like you're sort of moving them all the way along in the conversation. Um, so that, that's probably the easiest explanation, but again, if you haven't done good discovery and figured out what the value of their time is and how you know, you know, what their LTV is and, and then what's their you know deal size and sales cycle, then you know it's it's a harder argument to make. But in a SaaS world, that's how it works.
0: Yeah, and what I really like about what you're doing, um, so Orin Claff wrote Pitch Anything. Did you ever read Pitch Anything?
1: No, I kind of stopped reading a lot of sales books. Um, as I'm writing one, I wanted to make sure I didn't accidentally borrow something.
0: Yeah. No, <laughs> so, it's fair. totally fair.
1: Um, so, the so, last one I did read, I'm sorry, the last one I read was Never Split the Difference, right? From, okay. from Chris Boss, right? Nope, so. nope,
0: that, that's, a, that's a great one. Um, and there's a few on negotiation that I read. Mm-hmm. This is one of them. Um, but Oren Claff talks about frame control a lot and making sure you understand the frame that's coming at you so you know how to then respond to that frame. And every frame has a, in theory, best frame response. And what I like about what you're talking about there is uh, it, there's a lot of similarities. Know that you've got a child coming at you, adult coming at you, a parent that's either being critical or a coach, and then, and then making sure you align kind of the, the right ego response back.
1: Now- Yeah, so here's, here's the other part of this. This is the really as hard part is that you're also going through these ego states. like it's super easy for the three of us to sit here and sort of talk about this conversation as if we're watching it in a Petri dish. Right. Um, And that's the, that's the part where practice comes in and self-awareness in general in life comes in, in sales. And, you know, this is one of the reasons I like certain tools out there. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to mention them, but the good sales, yeah. You know, the gongs and the courses and the exec visions, the good sales reps go back and listen and go, oh, you know what that sales rep should have said? They should have said this, even though it's them, right? And because it's hard to control your own emotions, right? We're humans. So that to me is the hardest part. Like, it's easy to get this stuff. It's easy to understand. It's hard to control yourself. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Anything you were saying?
2: No, I was, just, uh, I was just agreeing with him. That's, and yeah. that's why practice does make a huge difference because um, you can kind of train yourself to respond in the appropriate way. Uh, if you have practiced it enough, and it, it takes a little bit of that need to think through it out of the process.
0: Yeah, and what I found really important, at least in, in my you know career, is that once I understand a concept like this, then it's like okay, I can I can ask myself questions against it, even even in the moment. Like, am I responding as a child? Am I responding as an adult? Am I responding as a parent? How? What am I going to do? And what am I getting? And that can sometimes allow you know, self-actualization and realization to then do something with it. So Uh,
1: That's good. It's really good. The one thing I would say, this is where call prep matters, right? So call prep, who am I talking to? What do I think their pains are? What objections do I think they're going to come up with? Right. If they bring up the competitor, what am I going to say? And you have to write all this stuff down. If they bring a budget, what am I going to say? You need to write it all down, even if you've been doing it for five years, because that allows you to disconnect. I'm sure there's some psychotherapist approach to this um, to disconnect a little bit more from your emotions so that you can kind of see the forest for the trees. Because as soon as we hear budget or as soon as we hear, oh, someone else has got to decide now or, you know, we we go through our child ego of. You know we're feeling wounded or we're losing something, right? And so for me, that's what call prep means is recognizing it and this is how you can do your best to stay in control while also acknowledging your ability that hey, I am a human, like it's not going to be perfect. I blew up a call yesterday. I'm like, no, I can't do that. And as opposed to walking them through it, but I also didn't want the business. So maybe that's why I,
2: <laughs> I the to, to walk somebody through a process. If it's a business, you don't want it Yeah. that's when I'm like, well, you know, wow, maybe, uh, maybe there's somebody else out there who'd be a better fit for you. Yeah. Let me give you some referrals. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Where else do you want to
0: go? So I think this is super valuable for folks um, as they're kind of thinking through some of these states and how to respond to them. Are there other main things that you either help salespeople with or that uh, you you know, coach around or anything along those yeah. Lines. yeah.
1: So I'm, I'm, I'm one of those tactical sales trainers, right? I talk about a theory for five minutes and then we go, well, what's that sound like in your sales conversation? So when we talk about open and closed-ended questions, we walk through, well, what are five great open-ended questions you know, for discovering authority? How do we go through economic impact, right? How do we, what are the right questions? Do people understand, and you guys correct me on this one because you'll be smarter about this than, than I know. What I have learned is that the yes, no, closed-ended questions force humans into a rational mindset. And if they haven't bought in enough and they haven't been exposed to enough pain, they're going to stay no, which really means they're sticking with the status quo. Mm. Right? So... Um, and it, 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 that's where I've read it in a couple places. Um, and so I was just, so that's something that's really, really important that I talk about in understanding that we also talk about, you know, I'm sure you guys know this about, you know, the, the chemicals that get released in your brain when you hear the word, no, right. Like there's physiologically releases of chemicals that, create the fight or flight syndrome versus, you know, when you hear, yes, your brain doesn't do anything. It doesn't release endorphins. Um, you have to sort of work your body up into getting the endorphin release, um, for many people, the serotonin and that kind of stuff. So talking about that stuff. So people again, have this rational understanding of what's happening so that maybe they can, I sort of call it creating two centimeters of space. Can I give myself two centimeters of space so that I can make sure I'm making the right answer, saying the right thing, asking the right question, responding in the right tone. And that's a huge piece. So then, but then, so yeah, so I teach question behind the question and open and closed into questions and mirroring and labeling and, um, you know, tons of stuff that, you know, you you use in therapy, right? Like, if you've ever been to therapy, do you, it's all sales, right? You're just <laughs> selling you. Right. Uh, so, oh, you just said that. all oh,
2: that's She's great. like look, looking <laughs> at me like, see, I told you so here. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, um, so anyway, so that, that's, so I'm very tactical. Like, here's the tactic. Here's how and why it should work. And then let's try it in your own sales scenario. Um, and that's, that's sort of my overall approach. So,
2: yeah, it sounds like you incorporate a lot of psychological concepts into your sales work then. Um, that That's something that has been really helpful in, in making you a successful salesperson.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't discover it till later in my life either. Um, I was a little bit more of the bull in the China cabinet kind of salesperson for a long, long time, even in management. <laughs> um, and it took real therapy for me as a human to kind of go, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, sales is all psychology. It's all just creating understanding. And sometimes that understanding is, Hey, we understand this isn't the right time or the right fit. That's still a closed deal, right? It's still something. And it's still in certain ways it's a closed one deal because you, the win is you get to learn what you did wrong. So you don't do it again.
2: Right. On
1: the deal. Yeah. It it's still, it every deal is a closed one deal. Right. Yeah. So, um, it doesn't, Now that doesn't help the paycheck. I get it. Like I'm not, you know,
0: so. so do you, is one of your recommendations that people kind of operationalize this where they think about every stage of the sales process, think about what questions they're going to ask, think about yeah. how I is going to respond and then, you know, tailor it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I created, yes. And so I created, I created a, what I call a sales philosophy. Some people like to use it as a methodology. Others call it a process and it's called need selling in for need E for the economic impact of that need, which kind of goes back to how I did that rationalization of the $2,000. Um, so I can show the economic impact that this was going to cause, um, access to authority and timeline in EAT. Um, and so all of this is built um around it because if you you know my diagram my vision of this is that it's a compass right you still have an n at the top and an e over on the right but you never know where you're going to start right it doesn't always start with need right It, it could be oh my boss told me to do this okay well that's actually access to authority okay now i know there's a boss involved right great piece of information i might move quickly over to need you know, what does your boss think you need help with? Right. So anyway, so that's so that is my overarching piece. And from what people have told me, some people have put it in their CRM. I never even knew about it. And then other people have said, well, we use medic or we use MedPick or we use uh, Miller Hyman. And I'm like, great. I'm not going to tell you to rip anything out. That's silly. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the still the same concepts. There you go. Yeah. So just showed me a pillow of Um, MedPick. David
2: is like (laughs) MedPick, MedPick,
1: MedPick. And so, you know, so all of those things are great. Like there, there is no one best right. Challenger sale, like whatever works for you works. But at the end of the day, you still have to go through the need, the economic impact, figure out if you have access to authority. And if you like timeline, Look, nothing has really changed in sales since Mesopotamia, like let's be honest. Right. Um, and you could probably even go back as far as Adam and Eve, right. There was a certain need and a certain want and a desire. Right. And, you know, Adam wasn't allowed to make the decision without checking with his wife. Right. He didn't have the authority. Right. Um, and the timeline was, you know, there was a lot of urgency being built around, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and the snake was the sales guy, right. Like that's nothing's changed. Yeah, you've
2: been criminalized since the very beginning. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Not, first, God created, you know, heaven and earth, and then he created man, and then he created sales processes.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that, man. So we, we've done some psychology with child and adult and parent egos. Um, yeah. the, the neat concept, solid. I mean, yes, I like MedPick, but um, a lot of the things here, a like
2: there's a lot of alignment. Yeah.
0: Need, identify pain, economic buyer, uh, metrics with... Uh, it's not.
1: It's not about the economic buyer. Like, that's the one thing I don't like about it. Because it has okay. nothing to do with the buyer. It has, it has everything to do with the pain. But access to authority is like economic buyer, right? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were saying the E in Pitt, medpick. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, access, yes. Yeah. yeah, but access to authority is more vague than the buyer because nobody, rarely, I won't say nobody, rarely is anybody buying with a single decision. Right. It's more like access to approval. I might even have to change it right? Because it's a whole committee that buys. Six, right?
0: six plus people, especially in the enterprise. So yeah. Yeah. Makes so, a lot of sense. But I, I like that in timeline decision process. I mean, there's, there's a lot of what I call fundamentals or tenants of all deals that MedPick or need, or they, like you need this every deal. It doesn't matter what you're trying to sell has, has
1: fundamentals of that right there. So that, that's awesome. I like that.
2: Different, different packages for similar, Concepts,
1: just whatever. Absolutely. That's why I sort of say mine's a little bit more of a philosophy because it can kind of fit in. Yeah,
2: not
0: a process. Process, it needs to be processes or processes are linear. Um, That's not linear. That's a what are my gaps in my deal? Um, So I could look at any opportunity and say, I don't have one of these things, and now I can do something about it. So that's really good. Cool. Um, So we covered some really good ground. We, we didn't talk a lot about what I consider mental health, but we talked a lot about psychology. Um,
2: but you hinted at it several times, and we just didn't didn't quite get there today.
1: We didn't. Maybe we'll have Richard. Yeah.
2: Maybe we'll have you back to talk about that side of things. Yeah.
1: And just the real quick thing is I'm a huge proponent of mental health. I write about it. I talk about it. Um, and, um, I share my experiences, whether it's medication, meditation, clergy, best friend, um, you know, what are the small habits? So if anybody's looking and listening for this kind of stuff, please just, you know, I, I encourage you to just try to find something that works for you and the good news is, is just the idea of trying to find is a huge first step. and doesn't mean you're going to find the solution right away. Right. So um, I'll pause there because I know we got to sort of wrap up, but I, I didn't want to miss an opportunity to let people know what it's all really about.
0: Yeah. And the two big threads that we pull on the show are um, the psychology of sales, which we, we, in spades, we covered, which is really good. And then some of the mental health aspects, um, which we can have you back on to talk about, but, to your point, um, talking about things that you're struggling with, um, meditating, uh, you know, seeking out help for them is beyond critical. And to me, it's it's the other, it's the undiscovered country or the other side of sales, where it's like mm-hmm. you, you could have every process, you could have every methodology, but mm-hmm. if there, if you are struggling mentally, you're not going to be able to execute any of those to your full potential. Um, totally agree. So always do yourself a favor and make sure that you take care of what's up here. Cause if you're not taking care of what's up here, you're going to struggle to execute everyone else. Yeah, was totally say,
2: sounded like you even suggested that you became a better salesperson after you did uh, address the mental health side of things.
1: Totally agree. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So.
0: Yeah. I'm a better yeah. salesperson. I'm married to psychologist. Not everybody can do that, but therapy is a good thing.
1: <laughs> Indeed. Indeed.
0: So, so um, uh, Richard, where, where can people find you? Well, actually first many yeah. resources.
1: Uh, like Yeah. So LinkedIn's easy. Yep. Um, I'm one of these crazy people get a pencil, pen 415-596-9149. Yep. That's my real cell phone number. I will respond to text messages. I'll answer phone calls. If I'm not in another meeting, I'll always get back to you. Um, so I'm one of those people uh, who's crazy enough to do it because nobody ever actually calls. And then uh, Richard at rharris415.com. Richard at rharris415. LinkedIn's probably the easiest, though. Awesome, man.
0: Well, really, appreciate being so giving of your time and that information, that just says right there, like folks, Richard actually really wants to help you. So reach out to him. Uh, learned a lot from you today. and. If you're open to it, I'd love to have you back on the show and we can unpack maybe some of the. i love to. You, you guys sessions.
1: tell me when. We'll do it. I'll send you an we'll go, we'll go deep into how fucked up I am. <laughs>
0: <be> <laughs> I look forward
1: to it. <laughs> Richard, thanks again, man. Great having you. Richard. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me.
0: Um, audience, please check out Richard. Follow him. Um, give him a shout if you need help with something. He's doing some really good stuff out there. So, um, as usual, uh, stay healthy. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it, guys.
2: Thanks for listening.